Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Let's open our Bibles this evening to Nehemiah chapter 1, and we will be picking up at verse 7. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for an evening, Lord, together again. Lord, we want to hear your counsel, Lord, the counsel of your word from your spirit to our hearts. Lord, your word is spirit and it is life, Lord, and when you speak, you speak for the purpose of touching the soul and the heart of, a, of your creation. So, Lord, touch our hearts tonight so that we may hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we get into Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a, a wonderful book. It's a, bu- a book of restoration, intervention, um, uh, restoring. It's a place of rebuilding. And I, I love the book of Nehemiah. And from the first portion of our chapter, we learned about the humility of Nehemiah. We learned how he was loyal to God. He was loyal to his friends and his family. And he was also loyal to the king. So as Nehemiah was there with the king there, he learned about this destruction had taken place in Jerusalem. And because of that, the people he found out were in distress because of the destruction and because of these marauders who were going around and and pilfering everyone around that uh, area of Jerusalem. And he felt he felt helpless, as we learned. He, He felt like, you know, well, what can I do? You know, and so it broke his heart. He began to weep. He began to pray and he began to fast for what was going on back in Jerusalem. He wanted to be there, but he couldn't be there. And so he begins with a prayer where he, he identifies who God is. He identifies where God is and what God does. He's the God of heaven. Okay. He's the almighty, awesome God. And he's a God that keeps his promises. He keeps his word and he keeps his covenants. And we, we finished last week with Nehemiah and his prayer uh, over the people, but also confessing the sins of the people and his own family. Uh, A lot of times we shine over a lot of things about our family, and he didn't. Both my father's house and I have sinned. Jeremiah tells us only acknowledge your sins, that you've cast your charms before the alien deities. You, You know, God says just acknowledge, acknowledge where you are. And so we begin, like I said last week, is that the problem isn't with God. The problem is with us. We're the ones. God's always right. And we have, a, we have pride. We have the world. And we have our, our own struggles that we, we don't want to be the one wrong. And so we struggle with God. This is a place, you know, with Jacob. He's struggling with God. And uh, uh, God wins. <laughs> I'll tell you that. God always wins. So here's Nehemiah. He realizes this and he begins to make further confession as he did from the previous chapters or in the previous portion of this chapter. He says, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. You need to kind of underline that because it's very important. When God speaks, he speaks to a servant and the servant hears. And that was Moses. He says, remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. And I thought that was interesting that Nehemiah would bring up something negative. 
You know, hey, you said if we were unfaithful, you're going to scatter us. Well, the thing is about that, God, you're right. We're wrong. And we did. And you were holy. And what you did is you kept your word. You're the God of heaven who keeps his covenants and his word. Uh, I, he swore to them if they did that he would, he would take them and cast them out of the land. And that's exactly what happened. I want you to notice here when he says that you commanded your servant Moses. Well, when God spoke to Moses, it was the Spirit of God speaking to Moses. And being the Spirit of God, this means that the Word is eternal. It's there. And as, uh, as uh, he's looking at this, the Holy Spirit, you can see the, the, in his life, in Nehemiah's life, you can see the Holy Spirit bringing back to remembrance what God had commanded Moses. And so he's going, you remember what you said to him? And so here's the word of God. The spirit of God is spirit. He's come to us and he speaks to us and he teaches us, as he says in John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name. Was he only at that time coming and speaking to people in the world? No. He's, he's always been speaking to people. The difference is, is that he will come into us at salvation. But he is there. I will send him in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So one of the aspects of the Holy Spirit is that he will remind us of the things of the Spirit of God. The things that he's taught us, the things that are in his, in his word. The, the problem is, if we don't get the word of God in us, how can the word of God come out of us? So we need to be sowing the word in our, our hearts and in our minds constantly that's how come bible studies are important that's how come when we get together devotions uh, you should have a, a, a devotion in the morning or in the evening uh, throughout the day uh, the one-year bible if you're not familiar with the one-year bible it's great because you get up and you have an old testament you have a psalm a new testament and a proverb and it all comes together and so it's a great aspect of going through the bible in a year so i just recommend if you don't have that but see, the thing is, is if you're not sowing into your heart, uh, there's nothing that can come out. And that's the problem that happens with a lot of people. They don't, they don't sow into their heart. And so here's Nehemiah. He basically is rehearsing God's word that was spoken to Moses, and he's speaking it back to God. And I think that's important, that when we come and we pray, that we, we bring back the word of God into our prayers to God. It isn't that he doesn't know. He knows. He just wants to make sure that you know. So as he's praying, as Nehemiah is praying, he's convicted of the word of God concerning the failure that they didn't keep his covenants and commands. And here in Leviticus 26, verse 23, and if by these things you are not reformed by me, that means if you're not convicted and you're repented, but walk contrary, that means in the opposite direction to me, then you also... I also will walk contrary or in the opposite direction from you. And I will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And then again from God's word, he reminds, uh, basically repeats to God that uh, of his promises of restoration. You know, not just the, you know, the conviction of judgment, but also the restoration if they return. If you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you, Today, you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again 
from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. So these are the parts of restoration that are 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 in Nehemiah's heart as he's remembering. And that just shows that he's been in the word of God. He's been researching and rehearsing the things of the, the Torah. He's been going into the law and he's been bringing these things out because there it is in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy. So Jer- uh, Nehemiah is uh, he's a man of God's word. He's a man of God's word that he stands with God saying, "Okay, judgment and loss. You're right, God. All restoration and renewal. Thank you, Lord. You know, but Nehemiah stands where God would stand. So in verse nine here in chapter one, God's speaking. He says, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there. And bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling place, a dwelling for my name, which he's speaking of, is in Jerusalem, the place of the temple. And so Nehemiah responds, and he says, "Now, I mean, we, right at this point, we know that Jerusalem has been destroyed, the walls have been torn down, and the temple has been destroyed. And so Nehemiah's heart is broken because he understands this. So he says, "Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed." By your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, speaking of himself, and to the prayer of your servants, those who are there um, with him, who desire to fear your name and your let your servant prosper this day. And speaking of himself now, I pray, I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, speaking of the king. For I was the king's cupbearer. So after he makes his uh, address and his confession, he gets down to business. And he begins to make petition for the need that he says. And, he, and many times that's where we make a mistake. We just rush in like God is, you know, the Burger King, you know, and just, hey, here's my order, God. And, you know, hey, and then we, we have no dialogue. It's important that God wants to hear he wants, you, he wants to hear you, but he also wants you to hear him. He wants, to hear what you, what, what he, he wants you to hear what he has to say to you about certain circumstances, certain situations. And if you have a self-willed heart and unwilling to hear, you will not hear him. You have to have a heart to hear. And that's the problem that we all face. God can say, this is the way to go. And you go, yeah, really? Okay, yeah. But you don't go. We have to have ears to hear. And if he says in your heart, in your ear, this is the way, walk in it. Well, sometimes that walking in it is probably the hardest thing to do. Going across the aisle to somebody. Going to the other side and ministering to somebody you don't want to minister to. That's a hard thing to do. But at the same time, if I'll tell you this. If God tells you to do it, like, like uh, Mary told the servants at the wedding Canaan. She said, whatever he tells you to do, what? Do it. And that's the thing that we need to be responsive, not being hearers only of the word of God, but be doers. If he tells us to do something, we're to get out of our seat and do it. 
you know, and that's going to be a part of really the theme of what we're going to be doing here in this ministry. We're not going to be just saying, well, I think we should this and I think we should that. Now, I think, you know, okay, great. You're elected. You're going to be doing it. You're the one who brought it up. I'm putting you in place. So I gave you a bunch of sheets a little while back. And guess what? You're all going to be busy. Because I see a lot of things in there that a lot of people want to do and want to see done. But just say, I'm not going to say turn it over to Keith. Keith's not the only one. Or Kevin. Or Bob. I'm not going to turn it over to those guys. Those They didn't mention anything. But whatever they did mention, that's going to come on them. So get ready. Gird up your loins as we're going to sit back and hear from Peter. <laughs> Sunday. These servants, for I was the king's cupbearer. We need to take that heart to listen to God and see what he has to say. And so Nehemiah, he looked to God, and as he was looking, he says, only, only you can save us, Lord God. What are we going to do? Like in Chronicles, Lord, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are upon you. Ever felt like that? I don't know what to do. Lord, but my eyes are on you. If I keep my eyes on the author and the finisher of my faith, I'll be okay. But if I get my eyes off of him, I'm, I'm a wreck. I've been in a wreck. I've had wrecks. Because I didn't keep my eyes on him. We love each other, yes. But keeping our eyes on each other, the problem happens when we see the sinful boogers of our life. Don't like them. And then that's when it happens, isn't it? We need grace. Speaking to grace. And more grace. Grace is basically, we know you don't deserve it, but... I'm going to give it to you anyway. That's grace. So, you know, I'll, I'll just say this. God isn't concerned so much about our physical circumstances as much as he is about our relationship. First, a relationship with him, but with each other. He wants our relationships to be born out of the spirit of God under the blood of Christ and brokenness. If we cannot come to each other with a broken heart and a love heart, then all we're going to come to is the flesh. And so we have, to, we have to come, pick up our cross, deny ourselves in that moment, and love one another. You may not like it, but that's tough. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? We deserved hell, and he gave us heaven. That's the difference. So when he sits back and he says, in the sight of this man there... In uh, verse 11, he's talking about Artaxerxes, who reigned over Persia there in the 456 B.C. It was the 12th year of his reign. Uh, Logan Manus was his, is his secular name. So if you're ever doing uh, history of those guys, that's his name that's given to him. Uh, it was here in this winter palace there in Babylon where ne Nehemiah would serve. And so he's there and... Uh, the king has not arrived yet, but he's coming, and he was a cupbearer to Artaxerxes. And so here's the king, and as it's, it, it's his time to come and serve the king there. And so he's in the winter, it, it was here at the winter palace of Babylon, uh, where Nehemiah, he served. Uh, and the king was coming from Shushan back to there. And as he was, the king came, and each uh, cupbearer served one month and as they did they served that month and it was Nehemiah's turn to come to serve the king 
And so he got word that the king would soon be there and that he was going to be in front of him, standing before the king. And so being a cupbearer, uh, a cupbearer is a very unique guy, you know. Uh, a cupbearer was someone uh, uh, with, with honor because here's a guy that put his life on the line for the king every time the king got a drink of water, got some wine, got some dinner, whatever he, he got. The cupbearer was there to, he was the taste tester. He was making sure that the king wasn't going to be poisoned. And so in that relief that he became very close to the king and very many times be very loved by the king and a trusted advisor to the king. And this was Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a very trusted advisor. And uh, he was like a chief of staff. He was a boss over basically the household there in the palace he was a trusted position and so here he is he's coming to this place where you know god i need help we need help uh, and it's interesting to to listen to what he says about this in this con- in this concern of where he turns he says lord i understand basically i'm saying this in in, in uh, paraphrasing i understand and i trust you'll help and that's what he's saying here in these verses from 9 through 11 now on to chapter 2 for a, few, for a few moments just to kind of pick up where this story goes on. Uh, Nehemiah, he's been praying. He's been praying for three months. It's passed and now uh, it's his turn to come and serve the king. And verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, not the car, <laughs> in the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes when wine was before him, that he took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence. So in other words, some time has passed from the previous mention where the king and Nehemiah have engaged. And he's come and to serve the king here is, is basically in his month of Nisan to serve the king. Well, it was while he was there and getting ready to serve the king that the king looked up and he noticed that, hey, what's wrong with you? Why are you so sad? What's going on with you? Well, I want to let you know that in that time, it was an insult to the king if you came into his presence in any diminished state of your, your expression. If you came sad, uh, many times it happened because you came into the king's presence Uh, you could be executed because you know what you come before the king and you're supposed to be happy you should be glad that you get to come before the king well nehemiah he served before the king for many times but this time he was sad and so he says therefore the king said to me in verse 2 why is your face sad since you are not sick so he noticed he wasn't sick But he noticed that, hey, he was downcast in his face. This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So the king saw something there that he said, you know, uh, this he's not really sick, but he's really he's really broken hearted. So I became dreadfully afraid. Remember, you come in before the king and you're you look sad. It could cost you your life. So I became uh, dreadfully afraid. And I said to the king, may the king live forever. He's kind of recovering where he said, may he live forever. Why should my face not be sad, though, when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies in waste 
and its gates are burned with fire. If you remember in the previous chapter, Nehemiah had asked God to give him favor concerning the king. So the king notices uh, his, his sad face and stuff. So Nehemiah is afraid now. You know, he's, he knows that, hey, I, this might be it. So the king asks, why are you, what, what's wrong? What's, why are you sad? So in Nehemiah at this point, you got to remember he's been fasting. He's been praying. And it's about three months worth of fasting and praying. I, I don't know about you. I think the longest that I've ever had for a fast was like 30 days. And you get a little weary after that. So you, can you imagine for three months, he's been on and off in a fast and he's been weeping and he's been praying. He looks pretty diminished at this point. So it was beginning to take a toll on him. And that's what the king is noticing. Not only did he look sad, but he looked sickly. Because, hey, he'd lost a lot of weight. He wasn't looking good. But it, it wasn't his health. It was his broken heart. Um, you know, it takes discernment to see and hear a broken heart. So Nehemiah answers, the reason I'm, I look like this is I'm grieving over the condition of my city, of my fathers and the tombs and the gates that have been burned. Traditionally speaking of Jews that um, in Israel today, um, they have great respect for the dead. Uh, you go and say you're on a dig in uh, Israel today, if you run across some bones or a grave or whatever, you can't, you got to stop. You stop right at that very moment. And you go get a rabbi, and the rabbi comes over, and they inspect everything. And then they go through a whole ritual and a ceremony, and they have a special guy come out, and they take up the bones, and they go and place them in someplace else, and they, they just show great respect for the life that was in those bones. You know, it kind of reminds me of Isaiah, those dry bones that rise up again. And so they, maybe these are going to rise up. Better show some respect. We don't know. Jews today go to the tombs of David and Abraham and they go there to pray. We were at the, of one of David's there and it's a, it's a unique experience to think inside this, this, I don't know, tomb, inside where this, uh, uh, whatever you call it, but inside there, the bones of David. So Nehemiah is grieving over all this. This was history. This was family. This was a part of who they were. But here, you know, sometimes, you know, when we pray, you ever been like Peter? You don't have time to pray a deep, long prayer. You ever been there? Well, this is Nehemiah right now. He says, then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And I said to the king, well, wait a minute. Let's back up a little bit. So I prayed to the God of heaven. What was it? I think it was like Peter's prayer. Lord, help. That was it. Short prayer, short identification of prayer. So it's okay in the moments of where, what do you request? You're under the gun. It's okay to go, God, I need your help. Help me. And it's probably in his heart he's saying this. And the king said, if it please, and he said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tomb, that I may rebuild it. So his prayer has been answered that he'd ask for favor of the king. So praise God. Uh, and so the king says, what can I do? This just shows the relationship of the king and Nehemiah. 
Normally kings wouldn't be like this. They wouldn't care anything about you. But he, he says to him, what can I do for you? What can I do? What do you request? And so this just shows, you know, there's, there's a, a, a respect that's taken and been given because of sacrifice. Nehemiah was a sacrifice every time he went up to the king. He was a sacrifice every time because he could have died at that moment for the sake of the king. And can you imagine that, that when we look at Jesus and what he did for us, his sacrifice for us endears our hearts again and again and again and again. To sit back and go and take and do that, that next thing, that thing that we don't want to do. And Nehemiah was a great example of someone who is caring, sacrificing, and selfless to us. You know, and that's where we are here today in, in our condition of this fellowship. We're in a place of, like Nehemiah, a place of rebuilding and healing. And there's a, there's a lot of healing that needs to take place in our fellowship. But I've shared this verse with you all uh, many times before, and I want to share it again this, this evening. Is that in Isaiah 58, 12, I think it's a theme for us because I keep seeing it over and over again. I see it over and over again. Those from among you, well, who's that? It's you. Those from among you shall build the old waste places, things that have been wrecked. Shall build the old waste places. You shall rise up the foundation of many generations. Okay, the foundation. What foundation do we have? Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation that which is laid, which is Christ. So we are going to raise up the foundation of many generations, many generations that have depended upon Jesus Christ. So rise up many generations and you shall be called the repair of the breach. Remember I told you that the Lord gave me, all I can say is a picture, a vision of our fellowship. And it was like a boat that had many holes in it. The repair of the breach, repair of those things that may have been leaking for a long time. That's us. And the restorer. That's good. The restorer of things that should be in place. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to put them in place. We're going to do those things that many have been saying, I wish we would do this. Why haven't we done that? We're going to repair and we're going to restore and we're going to rebuild and we're going to keep doing that. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm not just talking about it. We're going to do it. I'm going to ask you, you know what? Uh, you want to do it? I'm going to call on you to do it. So next week when we get back into Nehemiah, you know, we may call, be called to be a repairer. We may be called to be uh, a foundation builder. We may be one that called to restore. We may be one of those. But I'm going to tell you what. Whenever you start out to do the, the business of the Lord, whenever you start out to do a work in the Lord, the enemy is going to come. And you may have, even from your own midst, have people, because we have experienced this, Susie and I, before. From your own midst, that there can be those that don't really get involved or really are not a part or don't catch the vision of repairing the breach. So I just want to tell you, gird up your loins, as we're going to talk about on Sunday. 
Put on the whole armor of God. Put the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, shield of fate, and get ready to share the gospel with the gospel shoes. I'm going to tell you what. Have you, do you come to church with your armor on? The enemy is going to look for you, man. He's a lion. And he's a liar. <laughs> he's a, li- a lion liar. <laughs> and he's seeking whom he may devour. All he's looking for is one chink in your armor. Drop your shield and guess what you're going to get? You're going to get hit. You need that sword of the spirit. The spirit of truth is word of God. You need to cut through truth and error. You need to have that ready. That's how come Nehemiah was, was a man who was in the word of God. He'd sown in the word of God. And the spirit of God was in the word of God being able to defend off. And so we are going to be a part of that. But just know that, that uh, just because we are um, wanting to repair things doesn't mean that it was going to be smooth sailing. Be patient with one another. Kind. Forgiving one another in Christ. Be careful. You know, stepping on each other. You can be faithful, brother or sister. You can be faithful with your, with your sword. Be careful. That sword is a two-edged sword. And that sword can all kill, but it can also heal. Be careful when you say something or do something. Because what will happen is the enemy will use it. And I'll tell you this. Uh, I already know that I've already gone across it because it's like, you know what? I, I, do you know you ever been around a skunk? Huh? You smell him before you see him. You know what? I smell, I smell skunks. It's like that movie. I see dead people. You know, <laughs> I see skunks. <laughs> I smell skunks. And you know what? We need to get rid of the skunks. Yeah, yeah. Well, tonight, let's, let's have our time of just uh, afterglow and, and to hear from, hear from the Lord. Um, again, this portion of this, I don't even like to call it a stage because it makes it sound like you're up here doing a performance. This is, this is a sanctuary. This is a place of an altar. This is a place that becomes, when we walk in here, it becomes a holy place. I want you to imagine that this place is like the the temple or the tabernacle. This is a place that when you come to meet God, that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace and make our petitions before him. This is a place right here. It isn't that you have to have any man come and do it. It's you and God personally and having that interaction with him. That's what afterglows are about. Being able to hear from the Spirit of God to your soul, to your heart, to your, to your mind. There's, there's healing that needs to take place. And it can take place right up here, right here. But it also can take place when the, when the Spirit of God moves among the people of God for the healing from God for one another. It can be a word or it can be a word from the word. However you feel led. Or you can pray. You know, I'm not diminishing prayer. I'll, we we can pray without ceasing. But at the same time, there's something special about hearing something just for you. Do you know? You've had it happen to you. I've had it happen to me. Just for you. 
Somebody else may say something and then go, I don't even know what that's about. But for those of you who have experienced uh, the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God in an afterglow, you know what I'm talking about. And that's what I really desire for us. I, I desire that you would be filled. I desire that you would be healed. That you would hear the Spirit of God when He speaks and you go, oh, wow. Oh, wow, Lord. You know, when I get to heaven, I think my, my worship words are going to be, wow, 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 wow. So let's go into the presence of the Lord and just say, wow. You feel led? Come on up. Lord, we just we just commit this time to you. And all we can do is say, wow, Lord, how magnificent you are. Lord, who is like the Lord our God in all the earth? No one. There's none like you. Lord, who would come and step out of heaven? The King of glory, the King of the Lord of hosts would come and humble himself and become a baby and grow to be a man and then allow his creation to torture him. But you gave up for us your life. They didn't take it. No man takes your life, Lord. You gave it for us. Lord, tonight I pray, as we're here, that you would speak to your kids, Lord. Speak to your kids so that we can just hear your voice tonight. In Jesus' name.